This week, two times that the Ouija board got weird with me. Can subtle reactions on this divination tool be as creepy as the horror movies? I think so. Now I just want to make a quick note, and I'm going to mention it in more detail at the end of the show, that I'm going to be switching the show to every two weeks instead of weekly. I uh, hope this doesn't upset anybody. I know that's probably very conceited of me to say, but I'm just finding that uh, it's getting a bit busier as we get closer to the Halloween season. And as well, uh, I, I need to brainstorm where, like, the, the pathway to take this show. I really enjoy the way I'm doing it now, but, you know, it's very local-centric. I'm finding that I'm running out of stories after the last two years of doing shows. I have to do uh, searches. I have this massive Word document, Microsoft Word document. It's up to over 200 pages. (laughs) I just realized that right now. 200 pages of all the previous shows that I've done as Ghostly History and before that as Ghost Guy Daniel. And I'm just, like, for local stuff, I've talked about so much. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be going worldwide, talking about stories from around the world, a lot of great subjects, a lot of great things out there from countries that are much more historic than Canada, go down the United States, great source of ghost stories to, to England, also great source of ghost stories, the, the, the country where the ghost tour was invented. I, I need to cover them more for sure. So it will go more worldwide. That's one of the things that will change with it. But as well, I want to have something like, I guess maybe some more unique ideas for shows. So I'll do a shout out, see if anybody has anything. They can send me messages with some suggestions. I would be grateful to you all if that's the case. But this show, I, I've, I've teased this subject for for many many moons and finally I, I think i did something in the past again it's been such a long time i forget i forget what i had for breakfast yesterday i don't I'm not going to remember all the subjects that i've done over the past two and a half years of doing this show but i i said i was going to do this uh the ouija board now i hope people aren't shutting off their podcast devices right now but it's it's not like me talking about the Ouija board is going to be any danger to you. And I say that. There's a lot of misconceptions about this divination tool. And yes, it's a divination tool. If you guys know divining rods, if you guys know pendulums, these are things that can pick up on spiritual energy and don't require batteries. So these are divination tools going back to the spiritualist movement of the 18 to early 1900s. These are the ones, these are like the OG tools that you could use in investigation. So people use the pendulum and they use the divining rods because they felt there was really no danger to it. And there is some, some fact to that. But they would avoid the spirit board. You know, later it would be rebranded, uh, starting with, uh, there was the guy who invented it, whose name is slipping my mind, but then the guy who took it over, William Fold, and he's the one who kind of invented the Ouija board that we know today, also known as the talking board. But this device goes back, you know, a couple thousand years, and it was originally started with the planchet being like automatic writing, so the planchet would move 
to write out words, but then the spirit board came along later with some letters and numbers on it, and the Ouija board was like the perfection of that tool, which then later on was rebranded as a game by uh, Parker Brothers, I believe. So it has a very you know subtle and not too over-the-top history, but because of what it is, I call it the dreaded divination tool because of what it supposedly does. The horror movies have just taken it and and run with this. Now, I'll mention that in a second, but I just want you to understand that I do respect this tool. I'm one of the few that in the past we ran the public ghost hunts. So we'd have the regular folks come in, call them amateur ghost hunters, and they would come into events and haunted buildings And I would have tools for people to use. And most of the time when these things occurred, especially back in the day, now when I first started those, there wasn't a lot of them, if any. I mean, there was the ghost shows, so they were technically doing it on the television, but there wasn't a lot of people who were running these types of events for the public. So I had a collection of the more modern tools like the ghost meter, the EMF detector. You have the, uh, you know, thermometers and such sound enhancement tools and then of course i had the older ones like the pendulum and the divining rods if you don't know like the pendulum is the gemstone on a chain where you hold it and you ask yes no questions and it will spin to answer you so that's tapping into your psychic subconscious and the other one the divining rods are the ones that are like uh you know like think of the shape of a gun so you hold them in your hands. They got handles on them so that there's uh, bars inside that can freely spin. So you hold two together, and as you walk around a space, if they cross and they make an X, then they've picked up on something. If they stay apart, it means the energy is neutral and nothing's happening. So you could then use these to pick up areas where there's a disturbance. Now, people have asked me, well, how does that work? Because they knew that uh, this type of tool in the past has been used to find areas to dig wells. So what's what's the connection there, Daniel? What does is, what is digging a well have to do with finding ghosts? And there's actually a, a thought to this. Again, this is just my guess. It's the unknown. Nobody really knows. But my thought has always been that if you're walking around a space and you stand over an area where there's water, flowing beneath your feet well that's movement and water is 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 filled with energy and for that reason uh creates a disturbance in the energy around you so i believe that the divining rods then pick up on that disturbance of energy so they cross and this this was 100 percent proven that they that if you found that spot and you dug you would eventually find the water source that's underneath your feet so how does that translate to ghosts well what are ghosts they're a disturbance of energy. So if you walk around a space inside of a haunted building and you come across something that's different than the initial baseline energy where the, the, the rods were apart, then they're going to cross. It's the same idea with the movement of the water, disturbance of energy, a ghost in a room, you walk through it, disturbance of energy. Hence why with divining rods, the suggestion is to always be moving. Don't stand in a spot and expect the energy to come to you because sometimes it's just residual, right? It's just sitting in that spot. It's not doing anything. It's not conscious. You can't speak to it. It's just existing because something happened in that room. So when you walk around, you're going you're gonna to interact with it. 
So then that's that's the uh, tool to find the disturbance. And then you got your your audio recorders, your video recorders, and of course your photography to try and pick something up. So these things just point you in the right direction and then you try and capture them. And if you capture something, it's, it always becomes very interesting. Could be basically f- proof in the future that ghosts exist. So th- that's just a basic overview of the investigation model. And this is what I tried to put, put forward with these public events. Now, unfortunately, there's not a lot of locations near me that are still open to this. And these are one of those situations where I actually wish I lived in the United States. Any American listeners, uh, you're very lucky. I'm going to say that right now. You're very lucky with ghosts. I don't know with about other stuff, but with the ghosts, you're very lucky. Because there are so many places down there that are open to the hunts. That are open to the idea of outside groups coming in or renting spaces and doing ghost hunts that reason you know we don't have a lot of that up here hence why i've had to put it on the uh the back burner i haven't been able to do these events often and one of the things that i've even noticed in the states is that there's an aversion to the ouija board and this was wasn't a problem so much up here because most of the locations that we would do the hunts at they didn't really care what we did they were like just you know be respectful of the space but, you know, I tell them, oh, yeah, we're just looking for ghosts, amateur uh, ghost hunters coming in. And like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just give us our money. <laughs> it wasn't as aggressive as I made it seem there, but that was basically it. So if I said, hey, are you OK with us using a Ouija board? They would say, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. What's a Ouija board? But if you said that in the States, uh, some of the people who were in charge of these locations uh, could be a little more religious could be uh you know f- more fearful of the horror movies afraid what the board might bring in which in most cases doesn't last forever but still i understand that so there were more strict rules surrounding the ouija in the united states than what you would have in canada so it's almost like catch 22 right so less locations in canada more open uh, more locations in the states less open and that's what we had to deal with but, I mean, I, I, did, I didn't really understand why they were so against the board because I respected it greatly. Out of all the divination tools, historically, this is the most powerful. And maybe that's why, because there's some dangers that would be associated with it. But it is definitely the most powerful. And one of the main reasons why, to, to simplify it, is that with the pendulum and the divining rods, it's just you. So you're just sitting there and you're using them. It's just one singular energy. So it depends how much energy that you're putting forth. So I can say that a uh, psychic, a legit, true-to-life psychic who has these extra spiritual powers, if they use a divination tool where it's just them, it's definitely going to be more powerful. And I've actually seen psychics in the past where they can use a Ouija board by themselves. That's how, that's how powerful the energy is coming through them, filtering through them. But if it's just a regular person such as myself and most of you out there, it's not going to be the same. So yeah, you can use that singular divination tool like the pendulum and the divining rods and you will get results. But it's not on the same level of a Ouija board because us regular folks now have a, the ability to get together and combine our lower spiritual energies 
to actually have full out communication. You know, psychs can do it just through uh, mental acumen and a connection to whatever that person who passed represented. I'm talking about like when you sit down for a psychic reading and those who are, um, what's uh, what's the touch when you when you touch the uh, the item? Like I just paused and looked it up. It's psychometry. So basically, you, the person has an item that belongs to the fellow or lady who passed, and you put it into the hand so they can physically touch it, and they can get an energy signature of the person who had died, and then hopefully be able to connect with them. Psychometry, I believe that's what it was, according to my psychic friend Google. But it's different with regular folks. You know, they have to have that combined energy. They have to have those different life experiences and definitely becomes more muddled. I mean, you can't focus the energy on one specific thing, like handing a psychic an object and then they pick up on the energy signature of that person. Instead, you got a bunch of folks just kind of like, it's wild. So all types of energy can come through, but in those rare occurrences, it can be focused. And I've tried to kind of break that down in the booklet I wrote. I'll talk about that in a second, where you could have a team of folks and the more clear-headed most of the folks in the teams are, they're just lending their energy, the more focused the session will be. I'll talk about that in a second. But I did want to, I kind of pushed myself past. I wanted to go on into the misconception then I'll talk about the booklet, and then I'll get to the stories that have been promised to you. So the misconception coming from horror movies, I believe personally, started with The Exorcist. You guys seen The Exorcist? It's a 1970s movie. Terrifying one. I'm sure everybody knows about it. But there's a little-known scene in it because everybody thinks about the spinning head and peeing on the floor and you know certain things that a 13-year-old girl shouldn't have said in a movie. <laughs> it would be different now. But everybody forgets that there was a scene in there. You can look it up on YouTube where Reagan, who's the main character, Linda Blair's character, is using the Ouija board. So she's still a normal, happy-go-lucky young girl. And she's using the Ouija board. And she actually has a friend. She's using it by herself, which is where one of those fears comes from. Never use it by yourself. Which truly isn't a rule that I subscribe to. It's not one of my rules, but I can understand that maybe if something came through, it could be overwhelming. But I do also believe if you don't have the energy to do it, then it's not going to come through in the first place. But yeah, I know in the in the movie, it was very powerful. It was actually moving the planchet on its own. So it was uh, Captain Howdy. They made it like a cute name so that Reagan would, would play with it. Oh, I'm just Captain Howdy. I'm a cool guy. You know, let's let's talk about fun things. But it actually was the demon. So the demon was tricking her through the board. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think there's any spoilers in here, but the demon was tricking her through the board to get access to her mind. But then on the other side of it, which is not featured in the movie, but is in the book, is that Reagan was also on Ritalin. You know, the uh, ADHD drug, I believe it's for ADHD. And they say the Ritalin uh, brought down her natural psychic defenses and then also through the Ouija board and those things combined. And that's the reason why she was possessed. So, I mean, there was more to it that the movie didn't really cover. And I don't know if that has a lot of basis in reality of the young boy in Georgetown for which this whole story was based upon. 
I, I couldn't find any information. Maybe somebody else out there knows whether the boy was supposedly playing with a Ouija board. I, I personally don't think so. So I really think it's just a fictionalized version then in turn ruin the reputation of the board, which I, I don't like. So then not only The Exorcist did it, but then every other movie after that did it as well. Anything that featured the board, the Ouija board was always evil. In fact, wasn't there Ouija movies at one point too? I remember I saw one of them, I liked it. But <laughs> I, I was angry on the inside, but on the outside I liked it. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. But I mean, these horror movies just ruined its reputation. So it got to the point where uh, when I first started the shop in Niagara-on-the-Lake, I'd have folks coming in. They would take one look. I'd have a Ouija board display. They took one look at the board, and they'd be like, nope, and they'd turn around and walk back out. Or I'd have I, there was one lady who walked in, uh, looked at the employee, and said, witches, and then turned, walked out. And I was like, that was not the reaction that you need to look for when you're running a business. So unfortunately, that display had to go. It did go inside of the uh, Paranormal Museum for a while, for the few months that that was open, uh, so that, you know, if somebody paid, it was one of the fears that people had, or communication, you could actually use it inside a haunted building, but unfortunately, the museum didn't work out. But there's there's a a shout-out if there's any, um, I know there's one in Hamilton, but any place that has curiosities, or is like a more darker antique shop, Try having a, an area where people can use the board. If you didn't mind, you know, taking the quote-unquote risk, uh, it's just a suggestion. I would love to see that. So there's the misconception. Over the years, it has ruined people's view of this amazing communication device, and I was always trying to change that. And I would tell people who come into the hunts, I say, you don't have to use the board. But most people, they would stay away from it, but then you had those few, like maybe 20% of the people would come forward, they'd use the board, and they were always amazed by the results. We even had some experts, who uh, one of them will be mentioned in the first story, who could help people with it and say, yeah, this is what you need to do, and it always made the session so powerful. So that's the angle that we took, and yes, I mean, we did those hunts for well over a decade, and there was nothing, no major issues, uh, knock on wood, <laughs> if ever in the future, uh, no possessions. Well, slight possession, but it had nothing to do with the board. I think I've talked about that before. So it was fine. And in the end, I realized that it wasn't like, because I had that fear too at the beginning, and it wasn't based in fact. So when I finally took that experience and turned it into the booklet, Uh, How to Safely Use the Ouija Board. I believe it is one of the top-reviewed Ouija Board booklets on Amazon, which is a pretty high praise, if you ask me. Uh, The guy who wrote it, he asked me, uh, which have a look at it if you like. It's it's very cheap. And when I I approached it, I was going to talk about my experiences from the past, which actually I don't think the the two I'm going to mention here, I don't think they're mentioned in the booklet. So you're getting uh, uh, exclusive by listening to the podcast here. But I came down to three rules because I thought, you know, rule three, three rules. This is the easiest to remember. What with, what are the three main rules for using the Ouija board? Uh, the first one is never treat it like a game. This is a serious communication tool. And the reason I said that is because we have natural psychic defenses. 
And by having those natural psychic defenses up, then we can, you know, protect ourselves during these sessions if something negative comes through, which is very possible. But if you treat it like a game, it's a joke to you, right? You're not giving it any seriousness. And by having that, you're keeping yourself open. You're not shut down against these things. They can sneak in. So this is where some problems can exist. I never heard of anything major, like anybody dying from anything like that again. Knock on wood. But I have, you know, heard things where, you know, people have problems. Like they would invite something into their home and it would take a longer time to be able to get rid of it. So then you have emotional issues with inside the home, et cetera, et cetera. So and then in the end, if you treat it like a serious, it's just a mental exercise. You know, treat it like a serious tool and you'll be fine because you'll then you'll you'll lock down your psychic. You'll have that those defenses in place and it's much easier to do the session and much easier to handle if something negative comes through. Now, the second rule is similar to the first one and the idea that you're protecting yourself is to always say goodbye. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but some of the spirits in my experience, they get mischievous. So you're communicating with them. They might turn a bit negative and you're like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. And you say goodbye and they won't do it. They won't go down to the bottom of the board to the goodbye, which leaves the session open. Now, I don't have a lot of personal experience with open sessions causing issues, but I hear that it's a pro- it's like an open door for something to come through and that if you are inside of a building like your home, for example, which stay tuned for rule three, uh, and you open a door and something comes through, then it can cause you problems. Now, I mentioned earlier about emotional issues. That's what they can mostly affect. So they can come in and they can affect your emotions. If it's something negative in a certain room, you might feel upset. I've had a personal experience with that. Or your animals, also in personal experience, they'll react to it in a very negative way. And you might not what's go- know what's going on. So it'd be like, for some reason, I, when I'm in this room, I always feel angry. But you don't realize that that's where it's coming from. And you feel angry when you go in the room, you come out, you bring that anger out with you. And it can affect your loved ones because you'll have interactions with them. You might get into arguments easier. That's subtle, right? But it can cause huge problems in relationships. So in a way, it's kind of dangerous. So by saying goodbye and closing the door or not treating it like a game and keeping your psychic defenses up, you put up this wall so that if anything negative is trying to come through that you obviously did not invite that you can fight against it or push it away and it's not going to cause any problems in your home so by saying goodbye you're 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 ending the session and you're closing that door so that going back to the mischievous spirit if it's a refusing to go down to the goodbye force the planchet down I, i've never had i always expect like if you force the planchet down they tried to fight against you <laughs> that's never been the case i've never had that experience again i doubt you will as well but you just push the planchet down. It will just move normally and say goodbye at the same time. Everybody in the group can say it at the exact same time. That's the most power. And it should close it a door for a mischievous spirit. They won't come through mischievous or malevolent. And you don't want to deal with either of those. Uh, so yeah, saying goodbye closes the door. So the third rule, which is the one that people have the most trouble with, is never use it in your home. Now, I do say never. I've kind of lightened up on that. Because again, you're not really inviting something in that's hugely dangerous towards you. 
except maybe in an emotional fashion. But if you know something is there, that gives you the power back. If you don't know what is there or you have fear towards it, then you give the power to the spirit. But if you know it's there and you can say, oh, yeah, don't go into that room. There's something in there right now. You take the power back. So, you know, if you feel upset in that situation, you can calm yourself down afterwards because you know where it's coming from. So when I say never use it in your home, the never is kind of like with quotes around it. If you don't mind taking the risk, then it's completely up to you. And again, if something gets into your house, I'm not talking about like knives and butcher knives flying at you through the air, like in some of the horror movies, but instead it's more an emotional level or things might happen. You know, doors close, lights flicker, electronics react in weird ways. And if you're okay with all that stuff, make sure you're okay with don't just say in your head oh i'm brave like when you have these experiences it feels kind of weird knowing there's something else in your home and it feels kind of freaky knowing that that person is currently dead so you got to really take it light like don't take it lightly if you want to use it inside your home so the question is if i can't use it in my home daniel then where can i use it well i always tell folks um, if it's nighttime and there's no laws against it you could go to a park in your town it's okay that you're outside because again it's the people using the board that bring their energy uh you could also uh uh go go to like a public place of some sort i, I don't know like uh, I, I, I doubt rec centers would allow you to do it maybe if they don't see it they don't know it's fine you could go to a friend's house a friend that you don't like i'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> you maybe have a friend who doesn't care and you can go to their place I mean, there are options. I, I always did those events that have a place where it wasn't people's homes and they could use the board. People felt more comfortable about that and it worked out well. So just a quickly review before I get into the stories. Always be serious about it. Never treat it like a game. Always say goodbye so they're closing the session. You're closing the door. And finally, never use it inside your home. Never with quotes around it. If you want to get more details than that, shameless plug how to safely use the Ouija board on Amazon uh, and by myself, Ghost Guy Daniel. I didn't realize how much I had to say about the Ouija board. I think this episode is going to go a bit over time, so enjoy it. Anyway, the story number one, this took place at Fort Niagara. And if you don't know, that's across the water. If you go to Niagara on the lake in Ontario, Canada, and right across the water, you can actually see the castle building of Fort Niagara. And even though it's so close, that's Youngstown, New York. Very historic, very haunted place. And we were able to just briefly do special events over there. So we'd rent it through them. Uh, the Americans are very strict when it comes to you know what type of events non-Americans can do in the United States. So by renting it from Fort Niagara as a, you know, rental and a guest, it was it made it possible. So it did a couple and then after that it just got a little bit difficult. Might go back there again in the future. I mean during COVID it was it was more difficult. But then again, having Canadians from our side come over can be a pain in the butt for some too, because you need a passport. So for that reason we we kinda held back on them. But it's a great place. So if you ever see events coming up in relation to the paranormal for Fort Niagara, highly recommend it. So I only had two that were held there. And at one of them, 
um, we had our Ouija expert Shannon. So she 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 was she had sensitivity, but she didn't consider herself a full fledged psychic. For that reason, you didn't expect too much. But when for some reason she had this connection to the Ouija board, and it moved very powerfully for her. So Shannon was kind of like the expert. Folks could come in and do sessions with her, and she would show them how to do it as well. You know, it would take off for her. So there's a group of us. This included myself. Uh, myself, a young lady named Julie, and Shannon. And we were in the chapel. Now, the chapel inside of Fort Niagara, a very energetic place. I've talked about it before. And it was like an energy center. We even knew back then that there was something special about it. So we had the Ouija board set up. We had the ovalis. If you don't know what an ovalis is, it's like an EMF detector, but it picks up the energy and it converts it to words. So the ovalis will then spit out words and words may be connected to the stories that you heard about the space. So all of this comes together. Uh, one validates the other and vice versa between the Ouija board and the ovalis and we see what happens. So Shannon was on the board with um, another person whose name has escaped me. And uh, together they were getting some great results from the board itself. So then the board spelled out 13. It's like the number 13. And this caught Shannon and Julie's attention because of events that happened earlier in that same day. Uh, the number 13 seemed to be following them everywhere. Uh, like when they drove over the border, they went through gate 13. Uh, 13 people on a different dinner reservation that they were part of. Uh, they saw the Fort Niagara Castle was also marked with a 13 somewhere on it. Uh, so Julie, picking up on all this, she stops the session and looked at the people that were currently in the room. So as I mentioned, the three of us were the main ones that were close to the board. There was one other attendee who I, I don't remember their name. And then there was also some people milling around away from us. So Julie stops the session and then counts up everybody in the room. And guess what the total number is, including myself? 13. So it's just weird. I don't know if I, people are into numerology out there, but that's just a really strange one. So right after that occurrence, uh, the board took off and started saying something else. And it spelled out um, attic. It said attic. So then we you know, took the, the leader, we, we grabbed the board, we, everybody, we were all like, you know, hyped up on the situation. We run up the stairs to the top floor of the building to the attic, which has been connected to many other experiences in the past. And we set the board up again, but then it kind of, you know, went off from there. It, it, it spelled out the word cake. Now cake was kind of connected to Shannon that she was going to become a dessert chef. Very good. I remember I've tried some of those desserts in the past. Delicious. And it was related to that. So then it, it skewed off and became more of a personal session for her. But just that situation in general, the number 13. So not only with numerology and like there's some kind of weird coincidence there that was following everybody, but also 13 is the supposed unlucky number, right? Like Friday the 13th. So in relation to that, it was just like the whole situation was just out of control. And to have that situation with a board was reiterating something that was happening throughout the day is just crazy. I mean, it gives you the feeling that all of our experiences are energetically connected and it just, it freaked me out. 
So that was the situation there. I mean, a very haunted location, but you don't really need a very haunted location to have a very creepy experience with a Ouija board. This one happened in my home. So this is going back uh, quite a while ago. I was living in a condo in downtown Hamilton with my then girlfriend, and we were in the home, and we invited the two psychics, Kate and Michelle, over to that evening, you know, drink some wine, and then we broke out the Ouija board. Uh, you guys might play cards. We break out Ouija boards. That's how we roll. So, so we wanted to see what would happen because Kate and Michelle are both very experienced psychics. As I was mentioning, that energy flows very powerfully through them and wanted to see if you know they could stir stuff up. And they were very open to it because they liked the idea of communicating and they wanted to see if there was anything special that existed inside that apartment. So the session fires up. Um, I remember my girlfriend at the time, she took part in it. I stayed back because, and I've mentioned, I was like, I, I have this block when it comes to the weed. It's weird that I'm so connected with it, like writing the booklet and stuff and using it or like getting it to be used, but I never personally use it. I have tried in the past, but there's this weird block that happens. It's almost like they don't want to talk to me. Maybe they because they know I'm gonna like look deep into what they're saying and they don't they want they want the scrutiny or something. So whenever I use the board, it just kind of fails. So I've stayed away from it for that reason. But Kate and Michelle, uh, they just were conduits. So the session begins, the thing's moving around very freely. Uh, so then Kate, being the experienced one, says, "Hey, for fun, let's add a second planchet." So it was almost like, uh, I guess there'd be like two communications, two boards, two planchets going. Uh, Kate and Michelle could have one hand on one and one hand to the other. It's almost like, you know, I, you, like some people, they do something and they're not as experienced with it. And you're thinking, okay, you really got to focus on one thing at a time to make it work. But then you have an expert who comes in, somebody who's done it for their entire life. And they just, they just know what they're doing. They can do other stuff while it's happening. That's the difference here. But in this case, it's with a Ouija board. So Kate and Michelle are like, ah, one planchet's too boring for us. So they need two to keep their attention. And I was I was in I was into this because I'd never seen anything like this before. And I was just ready for that experience. So they did it. Second board, second planchet. And uh when they started out, it was quite slow. It wasn't really, you know, answering the questions as powerfully as with the one board, but then it lit up after that. So the planters are speeding around, they're going on the boards, they're spelling stuff out, but it's so quick and it's it's like so crazy, you can't really pick up on what it's trying to say. So there's really no communication, we're not asking any questions, and the things are just moving around like crazy. So I think in that situation is weird, but then it was moving and then all of a sudden it took off. So it, they, they leapt off the board. Seriously, the planchets kind of like jumped off the board. And I remember, um, I think one of them might have said, Kate and Michelle, to move the boards away. Because we wanted to see what would happen. Maybe it turned into like a, uh, it would do some symbols or some shapes or something. So I reach in, grab the boards away, and the planchets are just moving around the table and they're not really doing anything that I could pick up on. They're not spelling anything out or drawing anything. But then I realized what was happening. So imagine this. One hand on each planchet. Planchets can ease freely move on the smooth wood of the table. 
and they would go out they would go in and then it started making shapes not shapes on the wood shapes with the psychics i like to call it a psychic pretzel because what it was doing it was it was whizzing and weaving underneath each of kate and michelle's hands and arms uh the, the my girlfriend at the time she backed away from the situation so it's just the two of them and it was turning them into shapes so it would go one way under the arm and it would it would they would be like in this weird like twister type pose and then it would go another way and it would turn them into a different shape it was so coordinated which is weird so it was not something that i thought kate and michelle could do because it was so coordinated the only way they could have done this is if they were verbally or mentally communicating with each other and say, yeah, go this way, go that way. Otherwise, it would just be a mishmash because they, they wouldn't know what, which way the other person's going. But it coordinated them and it turned them into shapes. So from that point, I was a huge believer in the Ouija board because of that occurrence, knowing full well that Kate and Michelle couldn't have done it unless they were verbally talking to each other. And trying to court, but even then it was moving so quickly. I even think that would be difficult too. So it was almost like one energy was controlling the situation and turning them into psychic pretzels. So we're absolutely in shock by the type of movements that were happening. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't. It was impossible for them to do it themselves. Even they, you know, just push away the fact that we trusted them wholeheartedly, but that it was just happening right in front of us. So, I mean, just even after the session was over, the area where the session took place, it, it just, it felt different. Eventually that, that feeling would fade, but the energy was just raised in the moment. And it, it gave me that experience of knowing what to look for uh, in a situation like that during a, a ghost hunt. If the energy raises itself, sometimes in a very negative way, I know what to feel for. I know what to look for. And it's because of that experience. So I don't know. I mean, it's just it would have been impossible for them to do it. And it just it, it, it changed the way I viewed at it. And of course, the number 13 made me look at the world in a different way, saying, hey, what's the connection with this number following them around the whole day? I really have learned a lot from the Ouija board, so I can, I can recommend it again. Be very careful with it. Disclaimer, uh, you know, use it at your own risk. Uh, try the Ouija, uh, try the booklet if that helps you as well. But there's something very special about that tool. I hope people change their mind in the future. Anyway, that's it, everybody. This uh, inadvertently extended show. Again, note, I'm going to be cutting down the frequency of the show. I'm going to put it to every two weeks or so. Partly due to the busy Halloween season coming up. and have a lot of less time during that time. Uh, the other reason is I want to brainstorm some ideas for new types of show, which I'll de- debut after Halloween. Anyway, let me know if you have any suggestions as well. I'm very open to that. But for now, I expect the shows every second Wednesday. And thanks. I'll talk to you in two weeks. <laughs>